In some ways, our, our series through the next few weeks is a bit of a back to the basics. Some of the things we'll hear today are going to be very familiar to you. Some of you may have been practicing them for a very long time. Some of you might be a little bit more recent. Some of you might feel still a little overwhelmed by the topic, but we're going to stop, start by going back to uh, a passage that's at the very root of it all when we think about how it is that we pray together. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn in it to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. You can follow along there or with the words that are here on the screen as we uh, prepare to be inspired in our prayers by uh, the Word of God. Is that Luke 1, 1 through 13 by any chance? As opposed to Luke 11? Do we have a typo? Do we have a word in the back? I confess I've been reading from a different translation. So I might be wrong, but that sure sounds a lot like the beginning of Luke 1. We good there? <laughs> That's okay. Check this out. I always have a Bible with me. Look at that. That one looks like it might be for a sermon on prayer, doesn't it? Outstanding. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation." And then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We are going to be talking about a little bit of back to basics, and I'm going to ask you something before we get into it. I'm going to ask you to pray for your preacher. I hope you do that often. I hope you understand that when you come to worship, you've got work to do. It's not just about sitting up and sitting there and, and sitting back and receiving whatever comes, but uh, I pray to every time that I get up to speak, God, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken. I am a firm believer that the word of God happens among the people, not just because of me, but because we are all gathered here. And so that's going to be my, my challenge, my trick, my, uh, my hook for you during this sermon is I hope that you will not only hear, not only listen, maybe take a note or two, but that you'll pray. Now here at the beginning and maybe all the way through when you find that what I said doesn't quite make sense, maybe may say, well, pray that it'll make sense to somebody and that they will know that word was for them. 
Uh, pray that God will help you to find the word that you need to hear and that maybe could inspire the rest of your prayers this week. Would you pray for me this morning? Oh, I don't think you meant it. I'm still a little underwhelmed. Let's try it this way. Can you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. A funny thing happened when I became a preacher. Uh, people acquire, other people acquired an obnoxious habit. I guess it's because I'm a preacher that people have this obnoxious habit of trying to constantly justify themselves to me as if they need to. I will be in an otherwise perfectly normal conversation about whatever, and somebody will just kind of work into it. Oh, by the way, preacher, I try to be a good person. Okay. I've heard this a lot. I don't know exactly where it comes from. I guess you, I bet you can guess some of whatever the concerns, the, the insecurities, the strivings that lead to somebody to say out of nowhere, I try to be a good person, preacher. But I have learned something over many years now of people telling me that they try to be good people. One of the things that I have learned is that when people tell you that they are trying to be good, they are not telling you whether or not they are actually trying to be good. Some people who say, I'm trying to be a good person, they mean it. They are trying. I've known some people who were pretty successful at it. And some folks are just lying. I've known a man, no lie, I am not making this fella up. I have known a man who every morning would wake up, and I think he must have woken up screaming at his kids. He would show up an hour late to work for no reason. He once spent the last dollar of the family budget on a truck decal. And who told me that he was a good person because he bought a hungry dog a bone and because he gave some 10-year-old shirts to Goodwill. Somebody tells you, I'm trying to be a good, past, a good person. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are trying very hard. I've learned another thing about folks who tell you, I'm trying to be a good person. Another is that they are not telling you good relative to, to whom or to what or by whose definition. Because I think most of us, when we say, I'm trying to be a good person, they, uh, most of us, when we say that, what we mean, or when we say someone else is a good person, what we mean is, well, she's really good to her friends and her family. But then Jesus tells us that everyone's good to their friends and those that love them. And Jesus tells us that we are called to love our enemies. So when somebody tells you, I'm trying to be a good person, it always begs the question, good according to whom? Somebody tells you they're trying to be a good person, they are not telling you whether or not they are really trying or what definition of goodness they are working with, but they are telling you something and you can take it to the bank. When somebody tells you that they are trying to be a good person, what they are telling you is that their prayer life stinks. Don't tell them that. They're not gonna wanna hear it. You probably don't wanna hear it either. We don't really like to think of prayer in that way. We like to think that there's really no way to all prayer is good, that any sort of prayer can be heard by God, that God uses all sorts of prayers, and all those things are true. All prayer is good. Any prayer is better than no prayer, right? And it is absolutely true that God hears all prayers, that God listens, that God is open to all prayers, but there are some prayers that make us more open to God and some that make us less so. And I think that we resist calling prayer good or bad because we don't understand what prayer is for. We think that prayer is primarily some way that we get to flex our muscle in the world, our spiritual muscle 
to go along with our intellectual muscles or our our physical muscles. It's our way of exerting our power in the world. If we pray the right way, then we can get what we want. And if that is the case, then the possibility of bad prayer becomes a terrifying burden. If the purpose of prayer is for us to exercise our power, then when things don't go right, what does that mean? Is sister sick? Because I didn't pray good enough. The evil that we see in the world because I didn't pray properly. We are terrified of what it might mean that we are capable of bad prayer, and so we just prefer to pretend that there's no such thing as good or bad prayer. But first things first, let me relieve you of that burden. That we do not pray because it's our way of exercising our power in the world, our way of getting God to do our way and what we want. We are given prayer so that we can know Jesus while he is saving the world. We are given prayer so that we can draw near to the heart of God while God is going about his work, while God is doing the saving, while God is mending what is broken, while God is trying to set things right. Good prayer is any prayer that draws us closer to Jesus and that makes us partners in what God is doing and longing to do. And bad prayer is the kind of prayer that we offer without any openness to God. A teenager asks me, Pastor, is it bad for me to pray that something awful happens to the girl that's always teasing me? I don't know. Have you asked God about that? How are you open to God in this prayer? When this girl comes to mind and you pray about her, what are you asking for from God that would help you understand a little better? What would it mean for God to save that girl? What would it mean for God to save you? And how might God save us all in the midst of this? Have you asked God what to pray for or how to pray? Good prayer is any prayer that makes us more open to the work, to the calling, to the word of God, to the direction of God. And it's not about technique or control or getting the right words in the right order. It's about our orientation. It's about who are we looking towards and who are we relying on. Good prayer is any prayer that has Christ as its desire. It's a prayer that expects to find Jesus in the middle of the situations that we pray for. The hard ones, the difficult ones, we still expect to see Jesus in the middle of it. And if your first desire, even greater than your desire to be a good person, is to know Jesus, to know what he is up to right here, right now, then good prayer can take any number of forms. You might have any number of words that you use or any ways or orders that you put them in. One of the things I love about the, uh, the Disciples Path workbooks that some of our groups are studying and that some of y'all are doing alongside these sermon series is it gives us some good forms. If you feel like you don't know where to start or you just need a little bit of a, uh, of a help or a jumping off point, they talk about the Acts prayer and the Soapy prayer and Lectio Divina and a whole host of other kinds of prayer and ways that we pray together. And maybe you've tried those this week or maybe you will try them. Maybe you've found new ways to kind of reinvigorate your prayer life. But what I do know is that uh, these are all just tools. They could be like the boots or the the walking stick or the backpack. Uh, They aren't the actual walking. They aren't the actual journey on the path. Uh, They aren't the actual practice of prayer in and of themselves. It's all about what we're oriented to. 
And I know that I have used all kinds of different forms, written prayers, impromptu prayers, ancient prayers, and uh, prayers that I just made up on the spot, prayers that don't even have words, but just have this longing and these images that I offer up to God. Your good prayer might take any, t- any number of forms, but there are three things that I have learned are the common characteristics of any good prayer life. And it's not about the form, it's about dedication, <laughs> And it's about orientation. And today I want to share with you three things that I think are absolutely essential to a living and vibrant prayer life that keep us headed in the right direction and keep Christ at our center. The first thing is that good prayer takes dedicated time. Good prayer takes dedicated time. When somebody tells me, I just pray when I feel like it, I just pray whenever I feel like it, I always say to them, wonderful, I've got the perfect friend for you. He's right over here. He's trying to be a good person. Don't get me wrong. God hears us whenever we pray. There is no bad time to pray. But here's what I do know. When you find yourself in the bad times, you will find it much harder to be open and to turn to God if you have not been preparing yourself in the other times, in the dedicated times. When it gets hard, you won't be ready to turn to God or to listen well if you haven't dedicated the time ahead of that moment. The kind of prayer that prepares us to be open even in the hardest moments of prayer is the one that we get from dedicating a particular time to God in prayer. Now, some of us here, we are night people. And some of us, we could just go on all night. Some of us are morning people and we need to get all that stuff. We need to clear the decks before we go on with our work. Some of you are not any good at either of those. Some of you have fallen into my camp of person who really needs to to set aside some time in the middle of the day that's kind of my check-in time it's like okay God I'm not sure that I was chasing after you this morning took me a little while to get going but here in the middle of the day can we stop and take take stock see where you've been this morning that I might have missed you where you've been and I'm so grateful and where you might be taking me the rest of the day I don't care if it's morning noon or night what I do know is that good prayer takes dedicated time and if you find the time that not only works for you but works on you (laughs) that makes you more open to God's work in your life when you find that time cherish it and protect it and make sure that you dedicate it to God because when you dedicate time to God it does two things for you first is it pushes away the distractions. You're saying this is the moment when uh, everything else can just be on hold for a few minutes, 10 minutes. Nothing is going to happen that can't be picked up at the end of this 10 minutes. You're putting away those distractions so that Christ is at your center. And the other thing that it does when you have a dedicated sense of, uh, a dedicated time for prayer is that it creates this sense of longing. You find yourself anticipating the next one. You find yourself wanting to get back to that place, to that sweet hour of prayer, as the old uh, hymns used to put it, but it doesn't have to be an hour. You find yourself wanting, you know, we, have, we can train ourselves to our bodies to get hungry on a schedule, to wake up or go to sleep at a schedule. You don't think that we can have the desire for prayer in our very bodies? But if we want it, we have to dedicate that time. If you find that time that works on you and works for you, dedicate it protect it and cherish it with everything that you have. It's like when you're going to meet an old friend and you haven't seen them in a little while. The anticipation is almost as much the joy as the actual meeting, isn't it? It can be the same with prayer. 
The longing for God, that desire to get back to that moment, becomes its own act of centering and desire and longing. Good prayer takes dedicated time. And I know what some of y'all are going to say. You're going to say, I am too busy to have that kind of prayer, to have that sort of regular, dedicated prayer. And so I'd like to ask you to consider the example of a guy named Martin Luther. Not Martin Luther King, uh, the civil rights leader, but Martin Luther, for whom he was named. When I got here, uh, outside Robert's office, uh, Robert often has the quote of the month or the quote of the quarter, uh, if you're ever outside Robert Hunter's office. And uh, when I got here, his quote was one of my favorites from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, who said, I always pray for two hours every morning unless I have a lot to do that day. On busy days, I set aside four hours to pray for everything ahead of me. Now, I'm not saying you have to pray for two hours or four in a dedicated period. And I know a lot of you probably think, I am busier than Martin Luther. You know what? You probably are. The world is just faster these days. But I want to ask you, when you realize how busy you are, I just want to ask you, why? Because to hear Martin Luther tell it, all that he got out of his life was that he reformed the entire continent of Europe. He raised six kids. He did it all while on the run from people who were trying to kill him. And to hear him tell it, he had an abiding sense of God's presence in his life every step of the way. So what are we getting out of all our busyness that is more valuable than that? Prayer takes dedicated time. Something tells me that our troubles with time are not about the actual time itself. It's about what's at the very center of our lives. Good prayer takes dedicated time, but it also takes a dedicated guide. I love this passage from the Gospel of Luke because the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, teach us how to pray. And he doesn't say, oh, just pray any old way. There's no such thing as a bad prayer. No, Jesus gives it to them. He gives it to them word for word. Our Father who art in heaven, we still pray it to this day because they ask for help and God is good enough to give it. Good prayer takes a dedicated guide. And the greatest guide that we have to prayer is the scriptures. It's one of the things I love about the, the Disciples' Path study that we're doing alongside this is that each day it's got a dedicated scripture that can be the prompt and the guide to our prayer. And the other good news is that we have never lived in an age when there were more guides available to you. You can find any sort of guide. You can find all sorts of devotional books. You can find free online uh, prayer guides. You can find all sorts of apps to follow along with. There is no shortage of guides to help you out there. And rather than give you just two or three, I want to give you two criteria by which you should judge a good guide to prayer. The first one is scripture. If you're reading some sort of prayer guide, some sort of devotional, some sort of reflective meditative thing that's helping you, and it never ever brings the scriptures into it, or if it talks in ways that don't seem to have anything to do with the scripture that it referenced, it's probably not the best guide. But scripture is given to us to be a guide to our prayers, to provoke us to pray for the things that we might not otherwise. And the second thing that I would encourage you to do is to find a guide that provokes some sort of surprise. That's the second standard by which you can judge a guide to prayer. Does it ever bring about surprise? If you never walk away from your time of prayer thinking, I never thought that way before, or I'm not sure how to do that, or can that really be true, then whatever your guide is, it's probably not leading you into any new territory. And it's probably lost some of its power to you. When Jesus speaks to us, he rarely says, you know what to do, just try harder. But more often he says, no, 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 I meant even him. No, I... 
You, you couldn't imagine it, but I meant this too. I remember once I had the great privilege of being assigned to lead a daily prayer group or a weekly prayer group at the first church where I served. I, I don't think anyone was really vying for this job. It was given to me because I was the low man on the totem pole, the new, new pastor. It was this group of ladies and, and one man who met every uh, Wednesday morning to take communion together and then to read a psalm in silence four times. Practice the Lectio Divina that you'll find there in your Disciples Path workbook. And uh, that was really all we'd do. And I'd be in the middle of some other work and all of a sudden it'd be 10 in the morning and I'd go bless the elements and sit at this table and put all that other work on hold just to read the Psalms. And I, I gotta be honest, the Psalms have not always jumped out to me as the most exciting reading. I'm a big fan of the stories in the Bible. And I remember I was getting a little frustrated praying these Psalms month after month because it turns out that a lot of the Psalms are about praying over one's enemies for deliverance from, God, from our enemies, for, for God to smite the enemies, because sometimes we're really angry when we come to God, praying for God to turn the enemies. And I remember after like the sixth week in a row, when I found myself trying to pray for 20 minutes over my enemies, that I realized I was really frustrated because I wasn't sure I had any enemies. Here I was, young, in a church, newly married. My life seemed to be going okay. I spent a lot of time around church people, and I mean, I'm not saying we were all friends, but enemies? I wasn't sure I had any. And I'm reading the Psalms, and they seem to assume that if I'm living faithfully, I am going to have enemies. I read those Psalms, and it surprised me by making me say, what is it about your faith that has become so simple, so unspecific? that no one could take offense or be bothered by you. Good news, I'm way past that now. Been about 15 years, and I'm pleased to report I have made enemies all kinds of places. There are all sorts of people who don't talk to me anymore. And I hope that there are all kinds of reasons. I hope that, there, that at least one of those reasons is because of my faithfulness. I hope that some of them are because of that. If you're not digging into the scriptures, and if the scriptures aren't ever surprising you, then you might need another guide to prayer. Good prayer takes dedicated time, and it takes a dedicated guide, and it takes a dedicated response. It takes a dedicated response. In the course of our prayers, we come to see the world in a new way. We come to realize God is calling us to, to pray for someone we had neglected or, or to love someone we hadn't counted on. Every time that we come together and worship, uh, I, I've told some folks, don't tell me if you like the sermon, okay? I, I don't want to hear good or bad. Tell me what it did to you. Tell me what response is coming forth. And if the response is as simple as, I gotta pray for this person this week, that's enough. But good prayer, good encounters with God, the ones that truly draw us closer to God, they always transform us. They always bring about some response. And whenever you feel that encounter with God, whenever you feel that on your heart, then my best, the best advice I can give you is to get it out of your head and to get it out into the world somehow. It might be as simple as taking a journal to record who you've prayed for and to look back over that over time. For many of us, it's being involved in a small group where we can just come and say, this is what I have been praying for this week. This is what I've struggled with. This is what I'm rejoicing over. This is what God is telling me. 
Find some way to get it out of your head and into the world. And sometimes that means taking action. Sometimes it means going forward and following in a way that we never expected before. But here's what I know. If we never ever see that response, we're not gonna keep praying for very long. And that's why, if you gave me a choice, if you told me I could serve the most evangelistic congregation, the fastest growing congregation, the biggest giving congregation, out of all the different commitments that we have, if you told me I could go to the congregation that had the largest attendance in worship, I would ask to attend the most praying church instead. And here's why. Because all those other things that we can do, I've known a lot of people who did them for good reasons and I've known a lot of people who did them for bad. But I've never known anyone who sustained a living, vibrant prayer life through the good times and the bad unless they were in it for the right reasons. If you are praying to get your way in the world, you will soon discover that money is much more efficient. If you are praying because you think it makes you a good person, you will soon be disturbed to discover how often in your prayers you realize you weren't quite as good as you thought you were. But if you are praying because you long to know and be known by your Savior, you will find that that is the prayer God always answers. In the hard times, in the bad, in places you never expected, in ways you never expected, saying things that surprise you because you weren't looking to hear that, he will open the door and he will answer and you will know your Savior. And with him beside you, you will find the strength to take the next step and the next and the next. And more things can be mended than you would have ever guessed. Let's stop trying to be good people. Let's hold on to good prayer. Because that's where we encounter a good God who will lead us where we need to go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.